Hi, and welcome back to another episode of It's All Good, Understanding Tito Krishnamurti. So one of the most important parts in understanding what Tito Krishnamurti is saying is understanding ego death. It's funny to me because everybody shirks away from the notion of ego death and everybody nobody wants to talk about it everybody wants to talk about something else and but ego death is probably one of the most essential parts of enlightenment well, one of the reasons why this topic is so unpopular is because everybody's really attached to their ego everybody has formed a trauma bond We've been through so much together. We've survived all of this. The only person that has been backing me up has been my ego. It's a special kind of attachment in a way. You learn that any form of attachment is not beneficial for your life. This is one of the things that Jiddu Krishnamurti is talking about. If you want true freedom, if you want freedom of the mind, you can't be attached. It's it's like if a bird is attached to something, it can't fly. And it's the same for you. If you're attached to anything, you can't be free. It's a little bit hard with the ego because it's the only thing we know and the only thing we trust and the only thing that's always been there for us. One of the main reasons why people don't like talking about ego death is because everybody thinks that their ego is the only ego that's good and solid, helpful and friendly and kind and whatever. <laughs> Everybody thinks their ego is the best ego because that's the whole essence of the ego. <laughs> they sell you this idea of being great and helpful and you need it. And if you look at it, if you actually look at the facts and you look at what you actually get from the ego versus all the drama and all the conflict or the depression the anxiety we don't notice that because we're so busy focused on the positive sides on the reasons why we were in our right mind to dedicate our life to this ego because this ego is pure this ego is good yeah it has a few flaws but no, <laughs> we are like in a Stockholm Syndrome. We believe in our own ego. We believe in the benefits. We believe in the positivity. We believe that our ego is necessary. It is essential. It is the best thing about us. But it is actually the worst thing about us. Obviously, we can't see that because it's a little bit hard when you're so close to someone or something and we believe in the good stories, we believe in the positivity, we believe we are acting in the right way. The ego was the only thing or the only one that was there for us through all the hard times, through all the misery. But the ego only gives us superficial sort of band-aids. It only tells us a story that makes us feel better. It doesn't actually give us anything. It doesn't actually help us in our life. In fact, it makes us perceive our life through this tunnel vision, this 
ego filter <laughs> where we look at everything in terms of how is this going to help me? How does this make me feel better? Do I want to achieve that to make other people envy me or whatever? Or we can see other positive things. We can't see the negative things. I didn't see the negative things until it was gone and I realized, hang on, <laughs> there was a lot of negativity attached to my ego. So obviously I thought my ego was the bee's knees. It was all actually petty bullshit <laughs> because everything that the ego gave me was such a plastic, hollow sense of belonging. It's not until you can shed that ego, you can shed that weight, you can shed the drama, that you get to fully see the world and the beauty of everything that surrounds you. I wouldn't necessarily say that ego death is something that is only reserved for spiritual people. You can meet completely normal human beings in your community, in your village, in your town, who just are obviously selfless. They don't have much of an ego. They find joy in trying to make life easier for other people. That's pretty close to spiritual enlightenment. It's natural, it's human. It's not a coincidence that you find these people everywhere. You don't have to go into a monastery to find someone that's selfless. It's human. It's normal human evolution. It's more like, you know when you watch a toddler that cries because its sibling is playing with the toy? If you look at the toddler crying because it doesn't have the toy, you think, well, there's no need to cry. Just wait a minute and you'll get the toy. Well... It's the same with the ego. All these little dramas and the hurts and the little insults and the, all this depression and anxiety, all these things, these self-involved issues, this tailspin, this vicious cycle of feeling sorry for ourselves, for feeling like a victim, feeling like we never get the fair end of the deal. It's very similar to that just on a bigger scale because as soon as you can allow your ego to die you will see that all these concerns all these worries all these things that seem like they're controlling your life and you can't think of anything else and as soon as you allow the ego to die and you can step free of that that style of living that misery the drama the conflict the wars and you realize what a small sacrifice you made to be allowed to live this life. It's not magic, it's not spiritual, it's not divine. It's just something to think about. And it's not our fault that our society is ego-driven. Obviously, they want us to feel like we need money to make us happy. They sell us this idea to keep working in the system, to keep performing, to keep... We live in a system that doesn't value us as human beings. We get put into some idea or some image or something that we have to live up to and everybody fails because nobody's perfect and nobody can live up to some random arbitrary notion of what makes a good person. 
And in capitalistic societies, obviously, everybody's talking about money. Obviously, we think that money will make us happy because that's what everybody tells us. All the media, all the advertising, all the books, all the literature, all the romanticism, all this is a system, is an idea. Like They pretend to be happy, they sell you the idea that they're happy, but as soon as you meet someone up close, you can tell that everybody is suffering, everybody's in the same boat. How does money make you happy? How does money make you a good human being? This is about you. This is about your life, about making yourself happy, about soothing all the issues, the drama, the conflict. Many people seem to be afraid of ego death because, I don't know, it seems like something unknown. And all I'm trying to say is it's something that's like, it's incredible, it's positive, there's nothing sad, there's nothing scary, there's nothing. Plato's cave was wrong. The light is not scary, it's not intimidating, it's not, it's a release, it's a relief, it's a shedding of all the drama of the past, the conflict. It's resting in peace while you're alive and you're ready to have fun. And if anything, you know, you can always allow your ego to die. And if you don't like enlightenment, if you don't like happiness, you can always go back to your life of misery. It's not a problem. (laughs) You can always go back. But as soon as you do it, as soon as you get there and it's only it's not a big deal it's not that big a thing like I did it I'm I didn't know what I was going to get out of it to be fair and I didn't I just didn't want my ego anymore because it was shit (laughs) so it's not that big of a deal it's a small step it's not scary and it's nothing that's not reversible if you wanted it to be reversible but the plain and simple truth of the matter is that as soon as you do it there's no way in hell that you'd ever want to go back to your old life. You'd laugh at the notion as much as I do, (laughs) because it's absolutely and utterly absurd. If we go into this ego death, which is a very (laughs) obviously personal thing, that is up to you. You can do that whenever you want, whenever you want to think about why you have an ego. Now, nobody wants to talk about ego death, because obviously... Everybody still has an ego, otherwise it'd be enlightened. It's that simple. This is one of the most important steps. It's normal, it's human to respond to trauma with defending yourself in your head and forming, slowly shaping the ego. Now you see, to me, ego death is joyous. Every time I think about it, I think, you know, it's like having all your birthdays in one, (laughs) it sounds like it's something bad, it sounds like you're losing something, it sounds like you're mourning something, you do lose something, but the little bit of help and the superficial wound licking that your ego does for you, compared to all the negative aspects of letting the ego control our life, Every time I talk about ego death or every time I think about ego death, I never have any sense of remorse or sadness, no negative emotions whatsoever. To me, it's more like, yeah, yeah, the ego death had to happen, but that's like such a small little minuscule 
part in the bigger picture. It's more like if you think of a caterpillar, in a way the caterpillar has to die to give way to the butterfly. Now if you ask a butterfly, I'm pretty sure they wouldn't respond because they can't. (laughs) But I don't think that a butterfly would want to go back to being a caterpillar, right? Being able to understand the significance, the importance, the glorious aspect of ego death. You know, it's like recommending a movie you loved and you're excited for the person because they've never seen it before. That's how I feel about this for you. Because I'm excited for you knowing that if I did it, you can do it. It's a normal human thing. All you need to do is think about this. Think about your life. Think about your ego. And allow your ego to die so that you can finally find out that you've had these wings all along. The only thing that could hold back the caterpillar from turning into a butterfly is the caterpillar. And if the caterpillar is scared of turning into a butterfly, is scared of the beauty, the freedom, the ability to do whatever you want and dance in the wind, and it seems like a ridiculous notion for the caterpillar to say, I don't want to be a butterfly. I want to remain. I like my limitations. It seems like a ridiculous notion. But I know for a fact that every one of you have got an ego inside you that's going, can't kill me off. <laughs> you need me. <laughs> well, as soon as the notion of ego death becomes common knowledge. Dido Krishnamurti's efforts of bringing world peace will finally succeed. (laughs) To me, when I think back of my old life, I always have to laugh because it's just such an absurd idea that (laughs) I held on to this ego which I created in childhood because my childhood was scary. I needed someone to back me up, someone to agree with me. I needed someone that thought that I was right and everything will be okay sooner or later. All the good things I thought my ego gave me, none of that ever made me feel good. I'd already understood the observers, the observed. I was already sort of living a bit like a dreamlike state because I was only living in the now for the first time in my life and I spent my entire life overthinking, over-worrying, over-analyzing, and I always thought I could fix my problems, other problems, and I could finally find someone that would love me for what I was. (laughs) Everything I ever tried was in vain. In fact, I just started making things worse and worse. What else happened is that I'd been in a relationship with someone that sort of changed who I thought I was. Because I started believing this person's story of myself. So that also shaped my ego. I heard something, something, ego death. (laughs) The first thing I thought was like, oh yeah, I wonder if it's the same thing (laughs) when you take too many mushrooms. Well, it is. (laughs) But when you take too many mushrooms (laughs) and your ego dies, it's the same thing, like, essentially. But it's only a fleeting glimpse. It's only while you're 
high on mushrooms because you then go back to your old way of living. You didn't understand anything. It's like a wife swap. <laughs> you get to have a glimpse of what enlightenment is like. Not quite, but a little bit. There are many stories where people think that they connected with God or whatever. That's sort of yeah, that's what it is. Obviously, I wouldn't recommend you taking mushrooms because that would be irresponsible. But I can't forbid you from taking them because that would be hypocritical. <laughs> there wouldn't be much point trying to take mushrooms to achieve ego death because it's just a superficial... It's just, in case you've had it before, I'm just trying to say, look, you can do it. You've done it before, now do it again. That's all. And... There's no point taking mushrooms to experience ego death because you can do it while you're sober right now. It's like watching porn if you can have sex. <laughs> Why would you want a superficial plastic inside if you could have the real thing? If you could just do it right now. There's no value in having a chemically or a mushroom-induced ego death. There's no value to it because there's no revelation. If there's a revelation in your mind and if there's something that you understood, then there's change. And anyway, if you've taken mushrooms before, you know that if you take mushrooms and you go, I hope I have ego death, you probably won't experience it. And it's the same thing for enlightenment. If you go in thinking you're going to achieve enlightenment or this is what it feels like or this is what it's going to be, it's not going to work. It's as simple as that. If you want it, if you have a motive, it won't work. But ego death is a different story. As I was working through my traumatic childhood, the life coach I was listening to, Richard Grannon, he mentioned that sensitivity is a response, a trauma response. So if my world was scary as a child and I needed to pick up on these cues, I needed to read my scary mother's mood because I needed to be on guard all the time. So this is something that I developed in childhood. As soon as I understood that if I had been born into a different family, into a different relationship, into a different situation, there would have been a good chance that I wouldn't have been this sensitive. This wouldn't have been me. So I realized that the past shaped my ego. So understanding that a part of me that I actually valued was shaped through trauma. If I meet other people that behave in a similar fashion, they may have been through similar trauma. So this sensitivity isn't something that I was born with that is unique to me. It is something that... I acquired, that I learned, that I trained myself due to my circumstances. This shook my belief in who I am. This shook my notion of the essence of my being. Because ever since I can remember, I remember that being sensitive. Well, obviously, because in my family, nobody had any sense of empathy. So... That made me stand out within my small family cosmos, at least. Obviously, I'm still sensitive now, right? That doesn't go away because <laughs> that was a lifelong training session of being sensitive. 
it makes me who I am and the trauma has given me this like it's more or less out of something bad came something that I appreciate much like my inappropriate sense of humor (laughs) (laughs) understanding that something that I thought I was born with something that I thought made me special something that I thought distinguished me from other people finding out that that was only due to my circumstance this was only because of the way that I was raised that made it a lot easier for me to give up my ego because I just went well everything that I think my ego is is only the ego because of my past because of what I've been through because of what the way that I tried to cope as a child because my past wasn't something that I was too fond of I didn't want the past to shape me as a human being I wanted to get rid of my past I wanted to be free and I distinctly remember that even though I normally am completely involved with what Dido Krishnamurti was saying like I wouldn't wander off with my thoughts I remember it was like a soul out and I just went so what my ego is just an idea it's just an idea that I formed as a young child when I didn't have the capacity to defend myself when I didn't have the possibility to run away when I didn't have a safe environment and now I'm safe everything is fine so what do I need my ego for so there's one thing that as I was thinking about my ego death that slightly diverges from what Jiddu Krishnamurti is saying because Jiddu Krishnamurti only focuses on the truth, on the now, on trying to allow you to have insight for your life. He doesn't want to talk about the past, he doesn't want to talk about the future, he doesn't want to talk about where the ego came from. That doesn't concern him because as soon as you have insight, as far as he's concerned, as far as I am concerned, that should be enough. But as I was thinking about ego death, I thought, well, if all my ego was shaped by my conditioning, by the trauma, by my past, by my beliefs, by the ideologies that I held, I would, the culture I was born into, the religion I was born into, the system I was born into. Now, I sort of thought, well, there must have been a point in my life before this conditioning, before it took hold, as I was first introduced to it, more or less. So, before this conditioning, I probably lived with that as an ego. So, in childhood, I probably didn't have an ego yet. Like, it's unbelievable for people that ego death is possible. People reject the notion straight away. People get very suspicious, defensive. It doesn't seem like it's a realistic notion. It doesn't seem like something that will be achievable or accomplishable. For me, understanding that there must have been a time before I had the ego, there must have been a time where I could free myself. One thing I learned from skateboarding, (laughs) if you could do it once, you should be able to do it again. There's no reason why you should be able to do it once and not be able to repeat it. Knowing that you've done it before, that's a huge booster to be able to do it. 
and even if there have been decades in between, it doesn't make any difference. With the help of the observers, the observed, it was sort of easy to pinpoint when my ego was getting involved again. I remember it was like two or three days that were like a little bit odd. But from that point, there'd be like quick interjections by my ego where suddenly something would happen. And I'd go like, oh, why, blah, 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 I did this. And then I just went, no, what is, what is happening? And I go, well, this person is doing this and this. Can I live with that? Yes. Is it okay? Yes. Am I fine? Yes. Cool. That's it. And it's over. No more overthinking, no more worrying. For some reason, when you hear ego death, it seems like a bad thing. It seems like you're doing some harm to yourself, right? It seems like you're killing something off. But I don't see it that way. Because what I realized afterwards was that what died with my ego was every sense of guilt, shame, confusion, what should I be, how should I act, any sense of is this the right thing to do, all of that just went away. Like a snap of the finger, it was over. It literally felt like I was reborn into my own life with full control of what I get to do and what I get to endure. If you allow your ego to die, then you get resurrected, reborn into your new life, and you get a second chance at life, you get a second chance at happiness. All the things that you thought you messed up, all the things that you thought you had to put up with in the past and thought you might have to deal with for the rest of your life, all of that blows away in the wind because when you're free, as soon as you're free, as soon as you free your mind, as soon as you allow your ego to die, none of that matters anymore. Now, if you've had a good life, that may not sound like it's interesting at all, but if you had a shitty life like me, that salvation, that release, saving me from that life, that horrible life I led, being able to just distance myself from all of that and not have to deal with it anymore. The fact alone that I could separate myself from my past. If you told me two years ago that that's possible, I would have dropped everything to try and figure out how I can do it because to me that is the greatest thing that I could have ever achieved in my lifetime. And the fact alone that I'd been depressed since childhood, when it is an everyday occurrence, it becomes the norm. And then suddenly being able to step out of that life, stepping out of the depression, out of the anxiety, out of the guilt, the shame, the victimhood. I can't explain in words what that means, what that meant for me, the significant change. All I can do is try and help you see it for yourself in your life. And as soon as you do, you'll understand what I mean. (laughs) Another thing that a huge, huge benefit I have found in my life is I always used to struggle 
with trusting the wrong people and giving them the benefit of the doubt, believing their stories and not being able to act and understand that as a human being I should not be treated this way. I didn't, that to me was an issue my entire life. I was abused as a child well, by my parents and I didn't realise that that's not the right treatment. I was sexually abused numerous times and didn't realise that that was not the right treatment. As soon as my ego died, you only live in the present moment. You only experience your life. So when somebody doesn't treat me the way that they should or I'm not treated fairly and someone lies to me or someone steals, any aggressive behaviour, any aggressive behaviour that I used to shirk down from and I used to just become obedient and just give up and give up my half, that was my response. And that changed from one day to the next because when someone does something to me, I know straight away. And if they give me some sort of story, it doesn't make any difference. That sounds like it should be something that should be obvious, but for me, for my life, it wasn't. And it was a big problem, and it was the reason why I was abused by so many people in a row. (laughs) But that's over now. It's done. That's finished. Because my frail ego, my victimhood, all that is in the past now, and that's where I'll stay. I've died to my past. I've left that behind. It's not sad at all for me. I am so grateful that I had the opportunity or I had the privilege or I had... I can't even believe it to this day. I thought my life is just going to get worse and worse. I even wanted to stay in the relationship I was in because I'd given up on myself. So the significant, drastic change in my life, I can't even put into words. I can just give you glimpses and try and give you some things that you hopefully will relate to as well. My life was shitty. My life was so imperfect. I messed up so many things. But it does not matter anymore. It's over and done. And that's, for me, is just the most incredible gift or the incredible... There will be nothing greater than you being able to do this as well. Because the few good things that we think the ego brings pale in comparison to all the negativity, the depression, the anxiety, the uncertainty, and the self-fulfilling prophecies our ego drags along with it. To me, it wasn't the death of the ego. To me, it was definitely a salvation. It wasn't mourning the death of my ego. It was celebrating the life that I get to live free from my past, free from the misery, free from the conflict, the drama. It's like I won the war by putting down my arms, by just, I just stopped fighting. And as soon as I stopped fighting, I had inner peace. My life changed from the foundations up. And in the end, all these ideas that I had of my life and all the things that I wanted to accomplish and all the things that I thought I needed to be happy. I was barking up the wrong tree the whole time. When I couldn't get love from my parents, from my family, the idea that I shaped, the idea that I formed was 
one day someone will come along and see me for who I am and love me for who I am. That was an absurd idea, a childish, stupid notion that led me down the wrong track completely and made me even more miserable. The incredible realization after understanding what Dito Krishnamurti is saying, I'd spent my whole life looking for a person that would complete me, that would make me whole, that would love me for who I am. The mindless running around and stupid decisions that I'd made and the only person that could ever love me for who I am, the only person that can ever make me complete, the only person that could ever make me whole, was there all along. And that was the person that I forgot to love. And being given the opportunity to see the importance of that, and letting go, accepting myself with all my flaws and all the crap decisions in all the past and being able to love myself for who I actually am. I didn't think that would be possible in my lifetime. I had thought there would be no way. And you see, as soon as you love yourself, as soon as you completely love yourself, there's so much love left over. It's easy to love another. And when that love is not reciprocated, it doesn't make any difference because you're no longer alone. You're all one. Your ego doesn't want you to see that. It wants you to keep going, keep struggling, keep... It's, it wants attention. It wants negativity. It wants the drama. It wants some sort of response. As soon as we can ignore it, as soon as we can shut that ego voice down we get to live in peace and it's easy to love i feel like my ego had to just shut up and let me have a look at my real life i've had enough help i've had enough support i've had enough superficial wound licking i've had enough stories that i'd been told by my ego it's time to live if you want to live in true freedom, this is the greatest gift you will give to yourself. Allowing your ego to die and being reborn into your own life with full control, joy and love and inner peace. Feel free to ask any questions. Thank you very much for listening. Enjoy your wings. <laughs> Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.